my intention really is to help people see like the best parts of themselves, you know, even the parts that they might historically have not liked or that they think might be weaknesses rather than strengths. And it's such a beautiful thing having somebody like mirror your, your beauty and, and your greatness, you know, rather than just like pointing out what needs to be fixed. Welcome to Supernormalize, the podcast where we challenge the conventional, break boundaries and normalize the seemingly supernatural. Join me, CJ, as we explore less uncharted realms of existence and unravel the mysteries of life experience. My treasured listeners, if you have a life story or healing modality or unique knowledge that you'd love to share, reach out to me at Supernormalized, that's Supernormalized with a Z, at Proton.me. Let's together embrace acceptance of the supernatural and unusual as what it really is, completely normal. Today on Supernormalize, I have the pleasure to interview Lauren Leduc, a visionary yoga teacher, intuitive mentor, and mama with a remarkable journey of personal transformation. Her work includes trauma-informed yoga classes, and she is now hosting a renowned teacher training program. And her recent expansion into spiritual life coaching and intuitive reading has also helped her inform herself when it comes to the writing of her current book, which is about to be released. Embody Your Inner Goddess, A Guided Path to Radical Wholeness, reflects her passion for guiding women and femmes to embrace their power and wholeness. Alongside her bestie, Rashida, she also explores spirituality on the Your Spiritual Besties podcast, while finding balance through family time and personal pursuits. We delve into her life experience and her drive to help people and talk to her about a book which is due to be released as of the 24th of November this year. Welcome to Supernormalize, Lauren Leduc. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, CJ. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in, in your story because you've actually had quite a story arc there where you've been through a lot of trouble yourself and then discovered a way in life that helps you to help others. And um, a big part of that is your yoga, um, mentoring and intuitive work. Can you go through a bit of your origin story about how that all happened for you to lead you to where you are right now? Sure. So I live in the U.S. in the Midwest, and it's a very conservative area. This is where I grew up and very uh, evangelical Christian. Mm. And that's that's the culture I grew up in. And I grew up being a very high achiever in school and really just trying to do everything perfectly and right. And at age 17, I kind of what I would say crashed and burned basically where I couldn't really sustain this level of achievement. And at the same time, I was learning and growing and exploring and 
just not feeling like I fit with this maybe story I was given or a path in life that I thought that I was supposed to follow. So I did get very sick. And initially, uh, my parents put me in like an inpatient program at a hospital. And in this program, it's where I was first exposed to really any tools outside of prayer and outside of the culture and religion in which I was brought up. So I was exposed to therapy and things like affirmations. And most importantly, I think for me, yoga. While I had heard of yoga before, uh, this was over 20 years ago and there just was not the pervasive uh, culture of yoga that there is now in the West. Um, Obviously it was here, but just not in so many people's towns and consciousness. Now, you know, there's, there are yoga studios everywhere. And it was really the first time I got to just sit down with myself and breathe and just have space. If that, if that makes sense, like, you know, I had grown up like listening to music in my room or having space in that way. But the first, like the first sacred space, I would say that I'd had with myself. And while it took me a long time to heal and I went through a good 10 year period of a lot of trial and error, um, it also gave me the opportunity to really rewrite and figure out who am I? um, What do I believe? Is there a God? How do I connect in that way? And You know, in that time, I did find some answers for myself. And yeah, it took a lot of trial and error. Like I said, I uh, started school many times and dropped out. I dealt with horrible anxiety and depression, was still healing my relationship with my body, with my mind. Um, At the same time, I was experimenting. So it was opening my mind in different ways. I had tried psychedelics in, in my late teens, early 20s, a good few handful of times. And that really uh, just showed me a different perspective of things. I wasn't using them as consciously as a lot, a lot of people do now, but it still gave me this glimpse into the uh, connected consciousness into now, like what is now? And I wanted to find a more sustainable way to tap into that in my daily life. That wasn't just like tripping balls with friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's not, that's not really sustainable. Um, I did do a Reiki certification. I had a friend give me Reiki one time when I was in uh, the Rocky horror show, I had kind of pulled a muscle in my neck dancing and, and he gave me Reiki and it, I didn't know what it was or how it worked, but it did. And several years later in my mid twenties, I found a Reiki training and it was my first exposure to energy work and energy healing and struggling. I just always felt that, you know, I could talk about it. I could try to fix things on paper. I could try and fix things in a practical way, but I always felt like I needed to, uh, heal spiritually. I think there was just this disconnect from the the way I grew up and what I was taught and then how I felt and and what I knew at that point. So Reiki was this entry point 
as well as yoga into the world of energy, into uh, a more personalized, non-dogmatic spirituality. Uh, a couple years later, I, I had moved all around, you know, going to school, accumulating debt, being horrible to myself. And I decided to move back home where I really took my healing a lot more seriously, where I tried different types of, of energy work and therapy. And most importantly for me, started a very regular yoga practice. And that's really where the healing started to accelerate. A couple years into it, I decided to become a yoga teacher. I had this whisper to do it for a long time and finally listened to my intuition. And once I did that, things really started to line up for me and I felt in my purpose and my career really, uh, my career and my life in general really started to make a lot more sense. So that's kind of the origin story. Mm -hmm. uh, now I have a yoga studio I have for eight years. I teach yoga and lead yoga teacher training. Uh, beyond that, I do intuitive work, which is something that has been incorporated into my work for a long time, but I do more formally now, and then uh, have become an author and have this book coming out. Uh, mm. I'm also a mom, and that's been a huge part of my purpose. So, yeah, I, I, could, not, I could not be doing what I am doing now without that initial struggle, without, you know, the, the 10 years of just hating myself really and trying to figure out how to not feel that way anymore mm -hmm. during that time i mean that that did that time come about because of the the struggle you had with the faith that was pushed upon you as a as a youngster i would say that is definitely one of the things mm. um i also i was a dancer growing up and i wanted to become a professional dancer i didn't like my soul didn't want to go right to college like many of us are expected to do um, and unfortunately dance comes with that shadow side of, of starvation a lot of times or not treating the body very well. Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time, because of being in theater and dance, I was exposed to a lot of people that I wasn't exposed to in the church. So I had like friends coming out as gay and to me, I'm like, well, they're wonderful people. I love them but I'm being taught that it's not okay and that it's a sin and that there's something mm. wrong with them. But I don't believe that. Mm. Um, in this particular church, you're also meant to believe a certain way politically. And I wasn't feeling that anymore. It's like I was taught this compassion, but I was seeing people not act in that way. So there mm. was this kind of cognitive dis dissonance that came from what I was kind of taught to be and then what I was actually seeing as I became older and my mind was developing. Uh, so I'd say it was a lot of like exposure to the world and also like just inner turmoil because I still wanted to fit into this person maybe that my parents would love that would be like on the outside successful, but I just didn't feel like I fit in that mold anymore. Mm -hmm. So um, with that, um, incongruence that caused all of the drama for you in your body and your personality, did that scar your faith at all? Or did it actually just convert it into something else that you could actually uh, more tangibly experience? Yeah, I think that eventually that was the case, that it converted, I suppose, into something a little bit different or expanded. Yeah. And uh, But for a few years, it was just a lot of, I think I settled into a space of just uh, agnosticism where 
I just didn't know. And I had to be okay with that. I knew that I didn't believe what I was taught. It was kind of like, you know, learning Santa is not real or something like that. Um, but, you know, it took some experimentation to like figure out what I do believe. And, you know, that came with learning about other cultures and other religions, the way that other people live around the world and not necessarily following that in a dogmatic way, but uh, expanding like what, what is God or goddess or source? What is spirit? What is our relationship to this as humans? And what am I going to directly experience through my practices and through, you know, even the psychedelics as, as a young uh, woman and then form my own view, I suppose, of what this is. So for me, that's really what spirituality is as opposed to religion is this uh, experiential practice of communing with the divine um, and that that's going to look and feel different for different people. And it might even change over your lifetime or, or lifetimes. Mm. What is um, God, goddess, the divine to you now? Mm. I, I love the word source because it's like the source of all things. And it's, it's something that lives within everyone and everything. So I love, uh, you know, I love like the indigenous view of, and I know there's many different indigenous cultures, but like the overall view of, uh, what is it, animism, like just spirit being in absolutely everyone and everything. So for me, um, being able to connect with that within myself helps me see it everywhere. Do you have practices that you actually do to assist yourself in connecting to that? I do, yes. And I've tried a lot of different things, I think, over the years. But yoga is a very important one to me. Um, when I first started yoga, of course, I had that exposure in the hospital. But when I started the physical practice, I, of course, felt stronger, more mobile. I felt more peaceful, but didn't quite know why, more connected. And once I started really learning about the philosophy and like what yoga is and what it's for and the path of yoga, that's what really gave me the tools to connect on a consistent and regular basis with the divine, with the present and, and with that within me. So that includes a lot of things that includes movement for sure. I think in including the body in a spiritual practice is very effective and really important. We're in these bodies uh, on earth for a reason. And I think part of it is like, is this worship, like that our bodies are temples. Um, so for me, that's asanas, which is the physical practice of yoga. That's also taking walks outside. It's having dance parties with my daughter. It's lifting heavy things. <laughs> it's, it's doing all sorts of things with the body. Um, as well as, uh, Breath work, that is an incredibly important part of my practice for me, just tuning into the breath, the inhale and the exhale. It's such a metaphor for, for so many uh, beautiful spiritual principles, I think, of this like beginning and sustainment and end and the pause after the end and the cycle of, of birth and, and death and rebirth, um, but also 
it allows us to harness our energy so that we can have a little bit more control over how we're feeling. When we have that control over how we're feeling, we're able to still the mind and then be present with the soul. So breath work is incredibly important to me. Having conversations like this with other people, um, connection is very important, like being able to just look into somebody's eyes and, and see the divine within them, even to look at myself in the own mirror and see that when I start to forget. Um, meditation is extremely important and there's so many different types of meditation. There isn't really one that I stick with uh, because I feel like I have so many tools. So I like to use different ones for different occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, connection with nature, uh, laughing (laughs) mothering is such a huge one for me like being able to see the divine in my daughter and to um observe myself as a mother and and take sacred pauses and sort of uh break generational cycles and things like that with the way that that i parent her you know i think there are so many those are just a few ways but i think they're really infinite ways and what's going to resonate with each person is going to be different I'd love to know what you do. Oh, what do I do? Okay, so what yeah. I do, I, I, <laughs> all right. So I meditate. That's one of my main things, and I, I, I swear that by that per day. I, I try and do it at least twice a day if I can, and I find every time I do it, it's a, I call it a, a reset. I, it's like I go so deep that when I come back, it's a new world every single time, and that's that's a major part of my day when it comes to um, um holding that presence. And the other part that I do is. Um, every morning before sunrise or just on sunrise, I, I do an honoring of the planets um, of all the planetary day for that day and the planets overall as well. And um, for me, that's a way of opening up into the day. Um, and then at um, nighttime before I, I go to sleep, uh, one of the things I do every single night is I offer gratitude to, first of all, all of my ancestors and my angelic ancestors. And then I go on to... Um, having gratitude again to all the planets and the planetary energies and the astrology that affects me and how I can work with that. And then to all of the spirit beings that work with me and, um, and the angels and saints that work with me as well. And also to my body for keeping healthy and happy. So all of those practices overall for me are a part of, I would call it a part of my, my religious practice, but it's also a part of my faith too. I know that this stuff works, so I do it. And it helps me and I know it helps me to help others. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I love all of that. And I love the acknowledgement of the planets. For me, I'm not as much of an astrology buff, although I love to to follow it. I do follow the moon and that is an important part of my practice now too, is acknowledging the moon cycle and where I am in my own cycle and how they relate. Um, And then I think prayer and acknowledging ancestors and our guides is so important and uh yeah it's something maybe i don't talk about as much because i'm very yoga focused in my life but (laughs) working with with guides and now especially uh working with what i'd call the inner goddess is a huge part of my practice yeah yeah well i would say actually yoga is um prayer through movement so mm. you know you're honoring your body and also the universe by actually keeping your body healthy and happy as well by doing that and it gives it a vessel for the expression of consciousness yeah exactly yeah yeah so could you tell us more about your recent expansion into spiritual life coaching and intuitive reading and how these complement your work as a yoga teacher sure 
I'll start um, just before I was feeling, I think, at the top of my game as far as, as if that can be a thing, like for, for a yoga career. So um, my studios were doing really well and I was, uh, and still am, but was leading international retreats all over the world and had a popular yoga teacher training program. I'm speaking about this in past tense, but um, things shifted really quickly. Uh, I will say right before they shifted, I felt that my career was in a really good place. I had delegated a lot of things out, had a great team, and it was time to call in a baby. I'd had this little spirit baby knocking at my door for a long time, and she was conceived in March of 2020 just as everything was shutting down, and I had to make a huge shift really mm. quickly um, in a lot of different ways, so I had to put my business on a virtual model and cancel international retreats. And I had a yoga festival, I had to cancel that as well. And then in November I had her and my priorities shifted and she was this like beautiful gem in this very difficult time, um, you know, where the world was in chaos. And also, you know, my husband and I were both entrepreneurs. We're just trying to figure out how to adapt and, and keep things afloat and keep our people um, paid and, and fed and all of that. So um, I had her and things wildly shifted for me. And I think she came in absolutely for a reason. You know, she has her own reasons and contracts and things like that too. But I think as far as my life goes, she was meant to sort of usher me into this next phase of my Dharma or purpose. So I, Definitely did not want to be teaching a bunch of classes anymore. I wanted to be home with her. I love being a mother. I love, um, I just, I love being at home. Uh, and, you know, that side of myself was new and, and something to explore. So I knew that I wanted to, I, I'm so passionate about what I do and serving others. I wanted to be able to do a lot more online, not only to be sort of pandemic proof, I suppose, but also to be able to spend that time with her. So uh, while I still have my studio and my teacher training, and I've led a couple of retreats now since since things have opened back up, um, I love working one-on-one -on -one with people and with groups, uh, particularly women and, and feminine folks to connect with the sacred feminine. So, you know, not only is it are these practical reasons of like, oh, I can do readings from home or I can coach from home or run programs and trainings and things like that on the internet. Um, she really helped usher in this different state for me or this different energy of being in, uh, in my feminine and really shifting me from this like linear go, go, go person in my career to pulling back and uh, kind of feeling into what is right for my energy and our family's energy at the time. So I started, um, did a coaching program and, and got really into that, but I was finding that I didn't want to follow the rules. I didn't want to just ask questions that my intuition was always speaking and I wanted to be able to wield that. And I had felt that for years, like I teach yoga very intuitively, um, intuitive hits came with the Reiki, but I wanted to formalize my training and 
and learn how to like wield this this tool much better. So I did an uh, intuitive training as well. And that really put me in touch with a lot more of my guides. And it was sort of like when I started teaching yoga, it just started, it felt really right. And I love serving people in this way. And I get to combine a lot of different skills and tools that I have to help connect people with their inner divinity, to help them find more purpose in life, to help them love themselves more, especially that's, that's my biggest passion. Uh, so it's been a really beautiful thing kind of blossoming open to this different, uh, different, I don't want to say different side of myself, but just using it in a little bit different way and to have a methodology to use behind it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with this change in your life, do you still work with people one-on-one or in groups at all? I do. Yes. So I teach at my studio once a week because I love being in person with them. Yeah. Um, and then I lead our yoga teacher training, which is like half online and half in person. And then I do monthly full moon goddess ceremonies. That's fully online. So that's a, um, that's like a group container where I offer like meditation and some intuitive reading and things like that mm. and exercises to help people connect with their own intuition to set intentions, to release whatever it might be. Uh, and then I do work one-on-one people through intuitive readings as well as uh, like bigger, longer containers. Uh, I call it the sacred path mentorship where we really dive into each of their chakra centers and um, with intuitive reading and with coaching uh, kind of clear blockages and, and help them connect with their, their divine spirit and, and with self-love. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. So do you more, do you mostly focus on working with women or do you work with men as well? You know, it's funny. My focus has been with women, but for some reason, more men just keep coming into my <laughs> coming into my field. So I suppose I'm meant to work with both. Um, the energy I work with most is the sacred feminine energy, but it's important to state that this exists within everybody. It's in men, it's in women. Uh, we all have feminine and masculine within ourselves. Absolutely. I just find uh, through my observation and probably through my upbringing as well that the masculine is much more pervasive in our culture. Things are more linear. Uh, there is more like hierarchy, for instance. Uh, it's more solar, less lunar. So as I work with people to draw out kind of the opposing qualities, uh, it helps bring in more balance. So I work mo- more with women because I think that maybe because of their hormonal cycles or because of their personal experience, they might be able to feel into that. Uh, more comfortably, or they might have more of a a direct line to it. But I think it's really important for men to also connect with these energies within them, because there might be like half, half of what they have to offer, half of their gifts aren't quite online yet, because we tend to suppress them in our culture. Things like uh, being open to creativity and inspiration, being in touch with our emotions, being in touch with nature. These are all part of the feminine that benefit everyone. Mm, definitely, definitely. And being vulnerable as well. That's something that men have trouble being with. So yeah, yeah that, that could enhance people and enhance uh, for a male understanding, for example, of um, themselves and what's actually going on for them. Because if you can't identify it, you can't really 
work with it. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. One of the reasons too, I've been drawn to, to working with women is, you know, earlier in my journey, I had never had any kind of concept around goddess work or had never seen the, like any depictions really of the divine that looked like me. And uh, while I knew they existed, um, maybe in mythology or within other religions, I just didn't really have any exposure to it. In fact, I was taught man was made in the image of God and then woman was actually made from man, not from from God himself. So when I first started working with these goddess energies, it was really um, a very emotional and like beautiful experience for me because I was able to see the divine more in myself and myself more in the divine and to get this really um, wide picture of what the feminine even looks like in the divine. I think, you know, we think of these, these diminutive, uh, soft characters when in fact they're also warriors and demon slayers and teachers and an artist and, mm. and mothers mm. and you know there are so many different facets to what the feminine is yes. and it was really such a healing thing for me to get in touch with these different sides of myself excellent excellent uh so when you're working with women um can you actually expand on how you help them and guide them to embrace their own power and wholeness sure so this is kind of an interesting story at least to me i wrote my book a couple of years ago yeah about a year and a half ago it's just about to come out called embody your inner goddess a guided journey to radical wholeness and in this i would work uh when i was kind of workshopping some of the concepts from it i would connect women with their quote-unquote inner goddess which is this like feminine aspect of their highest selves or of their souls so it's almost like their own personal deity that lives within them and it was really a very powerful experience uh, for myself, for my own, and for others. And it wasn't until after the book was fully written and, and off to the publisher that I started doing this more in intimate one-on-one -on -one intuitive work with people. And while I might be able to like tap into their guides or, or angels or things like that, my focus started becoming this inner goddess. So I connect with their inner goddess and learn what I need to learn from their energy and they're not, they're not like a goddess that exists within uh, cultures or mythology or within the current paradigm. They're really this, this individual goddess. So it's really fun kind of tapping into that and seeing it. And then they help me do a chakra reading. So I look at all of their energy centers and we see where um, they might be able to connect with themselves more deeply. We see maybe blind spots they might not uh, be seeing, or we might uh, do some healings on these different energy centers as well. Um, I can also tap into like the Akashic records, but really my wheelhouse, I think, is working with this goddess energy and working with the chakras. Uh, they're both they're both energies I've been working with for a long time, um, just in a little bit different way. So that's what that's what I love doing, and I think coming through my vessel, what makes the the biggest impact for my clients. Mm, it sounds like you've got your own practice, which is built around your um, intuition as well there with um, working with the chakras. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, actually. So 
this is something I hadn't really thought of until maybe in the last year, but I didn't know how to meditate when I first started trying. Um, and it was a little bit different time. You know, this was uh, 20 years ago or so, maybe a little bit more. And I just would experiment. Like I'd maybe find a meditation in a book or here and there, but I couldn't just like go on YouTube and, and find a meditation. There weren't apps you could download to find them right away. And I would sit with my own visualization. So one of them was I would visualize like white light coming through my crown and then like a rainbow being emitted from me. So I was uh, like imagining myself as a prism. So this white light coming through and then the colors coming out. And I learned about the chakras later on when I did my, my Reiki training. So that was really mind blowing for me of like, oh, these are like, these are energies I think I'm meant to be working with because I channeled mm -hmm. them somehow. Yeah. And uh, now they're such a part of my work, but yeah, it is. Um, I think this has all more or less come, come intuitively to me. I'm of course informed by other people and teachers and, and ancient practices as well. But yeah, the way I do it, I think is a little bit, a little bit different. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You formulate your own method. That's beautiful. So um, what can people expect if they pick up the book Embody Your Inner Goddess? Yeah, they can expect uh, really to go through this process I just described of connecting with their inner goddess and traveling mm. through their chakra system. So yeah. it's set up like a course. Uh, it's not really meant to be read all at once. It's meant to be kind of read and integrated over a seven-week period, although you could do short order could do longer. I split it up. So every week is focused on a different chakra center and we start at the root and end at the crown. And every day there's a reading that comes either from a story in my life, or maybe it's a channeled writing, or maybe it's kind of tied into to yogic philosophy. And uh, it has to do with the chakra. So like day one in the root, we start with the body and every day is uh, has an affirmation. So day one is I love my body. And I talk about my relationship with my body and, and eating disorder and stuff. After that, we do a reflection. So they're usually questions to journal on or to contemplate so that you can see how these different concepts uh, work in your life and what your relationship is to these different things. And then there's some sort of embodiment practice every day too, to integrate the information into the body. So that might be a little bit of, of physical yoga. That might mean meditation. That might mean breath. It might be some sort of action step. Like there's a day, a couple days where you're meant to like text a friend um, with, with various purposes so we journey from the root through the crown with this process. And in this process, it's not really meant to improve somebody, although they might see some improvements in their life or find more happiness. It's meant to help them love on all of these different aspects of themselves, especially the ones that maybe they've been neglecting or hiding for a long time. Um, so we don't even really do this meditation to meet the inner goddess toward the end. I think it's really important to connect with the like denser parts of our humanity first. So uh, the body, for instance, and like our sexuality and, and creativity and our confidence and our hearts and service. And then we start to go into the higher realms, we'd say.
Mm, it sounds like a well-rounded sort of um, embodiment of that full understanding of goddess before you get there and then you step into the meditation of the goddess. So then the connection to that is more extended and lived. I think so. I think I think that you know when people are in pain, and this isn't necessarily just for someone in pain, but when they're seeking spirit or spirituality, a lot of times there is pain, and and that certainly was my experience. And when you skip over the human parts, um, you're not really you're not really fully healing. You're not really getting the whole picture. And it, it can feel good to skip over that stuff because it's hard. It's, it's, it can be crappy to look at, you know, the different things that that we don't want to look at. And maybe we're hiding for a reason. It, it's hard to look at our trauma. It's hard to look at um, our inner child. Like that's in the root. But it's a beautiful part of our healing. And, you know, you asked me about my story in the beginning of this. And I really think that, you know, the pain is the fertile soil, like for my roots to, to root in and for, for my growth in my journey. And I really think it's the same for everyone else that, uh, you know, we all have pain, we all have, have suffered, we all have things maybe we have shame about or that we're not proud of, but we can, um, you know, with compassion, I think, use them as, as fertilizer for, for our growth. And for like what ultimately becomes our gift, you know, we grow so much that we fruit and the fruits are our gifts to the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, I, it, I love like tree metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It, it's, it, it's growing on me. Sorry. <laughs> I, I would say that, um, yeah, people, when they've been through a lot of experiences, um that have been challenging and come out of those experiences i think that's the only way you can share to the world in such a way that other people can resonate to those experiences and they can say well, look I, someone else has been through that because a lot of people feel like they're alone in their world they're alone in their isolation they're alone in their depression they're alone in their um loneliness um they're alone in you know um, their anxiety but honestly everyone goes through the through these things and when they hear other people speaking authentically about what's been what they've been through and how they got through it then they can find a rung on the ladder to step up and and find that place of change for themselves as well so that's that's great that's great now i was going to say um okay so you've had a lot of experiences working with people and working with groups has there any there's been any transformational experiences which blew your mind completely, but you could share without obviously exposing identities and things like that. Hmm. Like people themselves or with the groups yeah. themselves? People in, and groups, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. So, you know, it's so funny, like, as you work with, with others as well, like, sometimes we see things and sometimes we don't. So sometimes people will come like years later with, with a story. So that's always like so interesting. So I try to not attach too much to like whatever happens in the moment, because I know that mm. it's not always for me to know. Yes. Um, but there have been like beautiful experiences, of course. Uh, my first year that I had my teacher trainees, I had a group of, of about 30 women, uh, all women that year, who were learning to teach yoga and they came from all different backgrounds. We had former military, we had a police officer, we had students, we had moms, just 
a really eclectic group of women. And I shared this practice with them called Awaken Your Inner Goddess. And in that practice, we use yoga and movement and breath and mantra to embody the different Hindu goddesses. So we go through, you know, really embodied like anger practices and, and strength and then it gets softer and um, we yell mantra in this practice, which for me is very much outside of my comfort zone. I'm a, like a very soft spoken person and I like, you know, I did ballet. I like to stay composed, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's always been a good medicine, you know, to, to get outside of that box. And in this practice, uh, they yell a mantra of, I'm strong, I'm beautiful, I'm powerful, I am enough. And, you know, we're yelling this, screaming it over and over, and everyone just had tears pouring down their faces because we all know what it feels like to not feel enough. We know all know what it feels like to be powerless. Uh, and there's something about, like, the vibration of all of these women you know in in chorus like yelling that you know amplified it i think for everybody and you know it was just such a beautiful transformation to see and they're all off doing all kinds of amazing things now and uh, uh, it's fun to to watch their journeys but that that's one particular instance i can think of yeah Right, cool, cool. Like when you said chorus, I was thinking that does sound like a chorus of a song that would be amazing. So <laughs> I'd love to I think hear we had like song. Beyonce in the background, but <laughs> maybe she should um maybe she should take those words. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. All right. So um is there anything else that I could have asked you in this podcast that um I should have asked you that you that you've been thinking of in the back of your head? Mm. I don't know, you've You've been such a great listener and have asked so many good questions in, in such a fluid way. So I can't think of anything particular. I'll just share that. Um, yeah, I think I love I love working with the chakras, whether you're a man or woman, and with the sacred feminine concept. But I want to say that everybody has strengths and gifts within them. And mm. I think sometimes when people go to intuitives or go to healers, it's to, to like fix something. And while, you know, I want to be of service in that way, my intention really is to help people see like the best parts of themselves, you know, even the parts that they might historically have not liked or that they think might be weaknesses rather than strengths. And it's such a beautiful thing having somebody like mirror your, your beauty and, and your greatness, you know, rather than just like pointing out what needs to be fixed. And I think the book is a really good opportunity to go through that process too. And I love like cheerleading people through that. And I think that, you know, once we find these, especially maybe like our power centers in our bodies, which can be different for everybody, um, that it helps like illuminate everything else um, and the parts that need to be healed. Right. So that's something I wanted to say. And and that being said, I have a um, quiz on my website that is a chakra superpower quiz. So you can go on and answer a few questions and it tells you like, you know, what your power center is and uh, gives some suggestions on on how to work with that. 
And uh, I found that to be a lot of fun rather than just saying like, oh, this is off balance. This needs to be healed. This needs to be fixed. It's like, no, where, where do your strengths lie? And I think that's such an important thing to know. And it's something mm. we don't always see in ourselves that can, can take an outside perspective to really, to really feel that. Okay. Can you just say the title of your book again and when it's going to be released and where people will find it? Sure. It's called Embody Your Inner Goddess, A Guided Journey to Radical Wholeness. And the ebook actually comes out first on Amazon um, on November 24th. And the hard copy comes out December 1st. You can get it on Amazon, but you can get it wherever books are sold. Um, and you can also, if you're listening to this uh, before those dates, pre-order it so that uh, it's ready to go. And I'm really excited to share you know, some vulnerable stuff <laughs> with the world. Um, but also I think this messaging that for some reason or another spirit wanted me to to channel through and I can't wait to see, you know, and maybe I, like we were talking about, you don't always know what the effect is, but, you know, I hope that there's a beautiful positive reverberation from, uh, mm. from these words, from these practices. I think you're sharing the love of goddess and the feminine to the world. And I think that's definitely going to be a positive thing for sure. Now, people can find you also on your um, podcast, Spiritual Besties. Can you tell us a little bit about Yeah. Uh, so my best friend Rashida and I have a podcast called Your Spiritual Besties. And we met actually in my coaching training. And then we did our intuitive training together too. So we've been kind of besties through through this different phase in my life, through this expansion. And um, we talk about all kinds of things. Sometimes we nerd out on like philosophy and things like that, but we also do readings on air. Uh, we do like chakra readings and she really focuses a lot on purpose. That's that's really her, her wheelhouse is like Dharma and purpose. And we interview great guests like you do. And um, it's, it's just girlfriends chatting. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Now, in all of your work, you probably found that there's maybe a common thread um, and a common sort of uh, um, grating element for women where they all get seem to, seem to get stuck. And is there any words of encouragement or love that you'd love to share to all of our women listeners for this show, mm -hmm. maybe to the men too, to actually yeah. help them get through life? Yeah, there are so many things, but the thing that comes to mind for me right now is just that I think in our human forms, perfection just does not exist. And there are a lot of a lot of conflicting messages for women out there and, and for all people of who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to look. And this this perfection just doesn't exist. And it's so much more interesting and fun. And the world benefits so much more if we can just be ourselves. And I think it's a discovery process sometimes to figure out what that is. I know it was for me, um, but when we're in this space where we're accepting of ourselves, we're able to be also in a space of self-realization, which is that, yes, we're imperfect and messy and chaotic sometimes <laughs> as humans. And we're also spirit embodied we're also soul embodied we're goddess embodied and that in itself is all the perfection we need so that would be my main message beautiful beautiful 
I'm into that. That's perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lauren, for your time. I've really appreciated um, all that you've shared here, and I'm sure the listeners will as well. So, um, yeah, if there's, if there's nothing more to say, then I will say bye for now, but thank you. Thank you so much for having me, CJ. I'm certain that a lot of listeners would have actually appreciated what Lauren had to say about finding your way through challenging times and also doing it in such a way that you are also uh, embodying and connecting uh, to a deeper sense of self. I'm sure her book's going to go very well and I've actually provided links in the show notes here and I encourage you, please reach out to Lauren if you've enjoyed the show and say thank you to her for coming on personally. Now, if you have something you'd like to share on the show, please contact me at supernormalized at proton.me and until next week, it's bye for now.